0: Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven.
1: Hey, welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, season two. Looks a little bit different. We are in the studio today. I'm joined by the co-host himself, Matt Fogel. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Good. How are you doing?
1: You, you comfortable in the studio today?
0: I am. I'm feeling good. Yeah, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Good. Hey, so we're going to do uh, things a little bit different this season. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into one subject, um, and it's the first of our five parts mm-hmm. in our disciple-making pathway, mm-hmm. which is What?
0: Uh, Disciple making pathway for us is, I think, just uh, it's five elements and it's an easy overview. It's a memorable thing for people to get a handle on. What does it look like to live into the great commandment, loving God, loving others, Mm -hmm. and the great commission? How do we go out and train everybody we meet to be apprentices of Jesus? Absolutely. And so we think that's a call for everybody, not a select few, not paid professionals, not those with an education and theological whatever. Um, But we think that's Jesus' invitation for every ordinary person out there um, who's filled with the Holy
1: Spirit. So So for us, we made a pivot during COVID. Uh, We were Rhythm Community Church Mm -hmm. and now we're Rhythm Community. We're a network of churches Mm -hmm. uh, doing just that. We want to see multiplication happen within the valley, uh, but we also are connected to a global movement with Go Ministries. yeah, And so very practically what that looks like is, and this is what we're going to dive into in season two, is discovering gospel clarity. Um, and so what does that mean, discovering gospel clarity? What are the elements that we're going to look at?
0: So when we were thinking about how do we jumpstart this journey for other people, it was hard to get past this idea of it's really important to understand what the gospel is, right? Mm-hmm. So every context out there has a gospel. Every, if you asked most Americans, what's your gospel? They wouldn't know what to say to that. But if you ask them, what's good news? Or, or what are you hoping for? They could list a long, you know, there'd be a long list of things that they're hoping for. So for us, we wanted to clarify when Jesus says, this is the good news, what is he talking about? Mm -hmm. And then that would roll into not only understanding what the good news is, but then living as an apprentice within that good news, within the kingdom of God. So why don't you give a short overview of the five elements of
1: what are those five elements? Absolutely. So we go from discovering the gospel or having gospel clarity to, and that, and that, exactly what you're saying. That includes our, the whole gospel. It also includes our whole self. Yeah. So every facet of our being is being submitted under the lordship of Jesus, yeah. under that gospel, that good news, that the resurrected King is resurrecting me in every single area, which is, again, something that we don't do as Americans. We, mm-hmm. we compartmentalize our lives as spiritual and then other, mm-hmm. and often the other gets dismissed And grows really distant from the, um, really the overall health of what God's intending us to be and do. Yeah, and then goes into uh, very simply just living as a disciple. And a disciple is somebody that is, you know, is being is submitting to Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and being on the mission of Jesus uh, or with Jesus. And so, uh, first and foremost, it, it. it starts with prayer and fasting um, that we're understanding that it's not us, but it's God and that God is the initiator in that. And so we, we simply are just um, we're not a bystander by any means. Uh, We're an active participant and actively participating means that we're submitting and we're humbly coming before the Lord in prayer and fasting and saying your will, not mine. Um, And then it goes into we're blessed to be a blessing. And so going through those rhythms, like every disciple maker has a particular rhythm within life and we're experiencing life in rhythm with Jesus. Um, you'll hear us talk about Matthew 11. If you haven't already listened to the previous season, we're walking and working with Jesus and we're practicing the unforced rhythms of grace. This is not a works-based thing I have to do, but a an opportunity that I get to do with Christ. Um, and then that comes... Out of that just comes we plant the gospel. So, so often we look at um, the do as something that I'm building a kingdom that an empire that I'm building for myself. And what's sweet about the kingdom of God is that it's Jesus' kingdom, and we get to be a participant in that. Mm-hmm. And so it's not something that we're building. We're not building the church. Jesus is the church. Like we are the or He's the head of the church. We are the church. And so all we're doing is simply spreading the gospel the good news um and so you know again we're going to talk more about these and drill down yeah. if you haven't listened to season one i encourage you to go back we we go through these in a little bit of detail and then out of that the church emerges um the body of believers comes forth by being a participant in the gospel and spreading that good news to other people and so the church is worshiping together um, so they're being formed in likeness. They're with one another, they're banding together, they're, um, you know, pulling resources, they're taking care of one another, sharing, you know, each other's burdens, they're loving one another, and then it's for, ultimately, it's for the good of other people, Um, and so we just simply say that a church is an extended spiritual family, um, and that we care for our family, Um, and then out of that, multiplication happens, right? Um, good news is not good news unless it's shared, right? And so we continue to share that good news. We continue to spread, um, what it means to be a follower of Jesus and naturally multiplication happens. And that's what we would love to see. And we love to be a, a blessing as a whole, as an organization, uh, to the Valley Mm -hmm. and to go ministries as we partner with them to be able to be. To see multiplication happen, to see disciples make disciples that make disciples that make disciples.
0: Beautiful, bro. Yeah, I think that's a great overview. So, just for those of you who are paying attention, the five are clarifying the gospel, living as a disciple, planting the gospel, seeing the church emerge, and then watching a disciple making movement happen, multiplication. Mm -hmm. So, those are the five. And this season specifically, we're going to drill down into what is the gospel. And this is a massive question, especially in scripture, because people interpreted the coming of the gospel so differently. In the early church, you had a group called the Pharisees who really thought that the good news was that as a religious organization, we can separate ourselves through very strict religious activity. Hmm. And, And the kingdom of God will come, the good news will come if we obey that thing. Right, And then there was a whole other group called the Essenes, which were like, if we're going to see the good news happen, we just need to separate ourselves from culture altogether. We just need to remove ourselves altogether and let's just get out of the way. And then God God will come and do his thing. Then there was another group that were called the Zealots. And these people thought we need to have violent revolution. Mm -hmm. And if we're not violent, if we don't carry swords around all the time, then this isn't going to happen. And so they were hoping the kingdom would come through violent revolution. And then last but not least, there was a whole other religious group of people within the Jewish community called the Sadducees that thought, no, if we're going to see kingdom come, we need to partner with the Roman Empire. And as we partner with the Roman Empire and as we align ourselves politically and make certain moves, then the kingdom of God will come. And each of those groups had a very distinct picture in their minds of this is the good news. And here's how it's going to come about. Here's how the kingdom of God is going to come about. And then Jesus comes and radically changes everybody's perspective that says, actually, we're going to love our enemies. Actually, the kingdom of God will come as we suffer for doing good. Actually, what the kingdom of God is all about is forgiveness. And and if if somebody asks you to go a mile, you're going to go another mile. And you're going to ridiculously love them. It's going to be laughable the way that you take care of one another. But beyond that, how you take care of people you don't even know yet Mm. and your neighbors. And so he establishes really this is what the good news in his life, but also his death and his resurrection. And then one of my favorite descriptions of the gospel comes in the book of Titus. The apostle Paul is going around all over the Roman Empire. He's planting churches. And he writes a poem of this is the gospel. And I just want to read this. Uh, It comes out of him in Titus chapter three saying, hey, once we were foolish, once we were disobedient, we were misled. We didn't really know what the gospel was. We were slaves. We had a lot of lust and pleasures that we were devoted to. Anybody Americans out there resonate with that? Hmm. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But, verse four, and then he just rolls into this, Really cool poem. And I I believe that the early church in this very strategic town of Crete where he's writing, which was just a bunch of strategic harbor sites where the Roman Empire would come out. And so they needed to get the gospel right if multiplication was gonna happen. So it's my opinion, as well as a lot of other commentators I've read, that the early church memorized these verses so that they would know in a poetic fashion this is what the gospel is. And so he says, but when our God, who's kind and loving, who's a savior God, when he stepped in, he saved us from all of that. It was his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath and we came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our savior Jesus poured out a new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come an eternity of life. You can count on this. You can count on this. And I legit just get tearful thinking about that invitation, that that beauty that the gospel is God's doing. And so many of us out there, because of the world around us and other religious organizations, really, we have come to believe that somehow this is our doing,
1: Mm.
0: that we're gonna be the ones to bring this about, that we're the ones who are initiating this, and we've got to see this through. But like you said, no, this is God's kingdom. And He, the gospel really is about his initiation, his continuation, and man, him bringing it to finish. He's gonna, he's gonna be the one to do it. And that's good news. That's kind of good news that we can actually rest
1: in. That's beautiful, man. Uh, there's several things that come to my mind. And, and one of the things you just said was about um, religious activity toward uh, Jesus. And that doesn't, inc- that will, it includes Jesus, you know as christians we uh try to work our way so there's there's not just other religions but within christianity um there are a whole group of people and even i would say even our natural instinct is to work for something yeah um how do we how do we get away from that as as a As Christians, as somebody that's staking our claim in what you just read, how do we? What are some habits or some some things that we just need to be aware of within ourselves to walk away from trying to work for something instead of receive something?
0: (laughs) I wish I had an easier answer. (laughs) I just don't. I when you were saying, how do we go from basically a place of works based, right? Righteousness to a place of really receiving God's grace. I mean, for us, I don't know if you can. And this isn't to over. Or maybe, maybe it. I should say
1: just for you. Like, yeah. how do you? How do you? Yeah.
0: So for us, me and you, and for me personally, I just look at all the different narratives in my life, and I see the movement of the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about disciple making, the disciple making pathway, we often say this is first and foremost. A work of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and that is so countercultural to believe that there is a God who is active in our daily life, who is present in us and around us, who actually is the orchestrator of history, that he isn't just our personal Lord and Savior, but he's this cosmic Lord. When we say that Jesus is our Lord, that's a kingship word. That's a kingdom word. Anytime in the Apostle Paul's writings, when you see the word Christ, Jesus Christ, he's referring, it's a kingdom word. Mm-hmm. So I, often people will say, well, the Apostle Paul doesn't talk about the kingdom of God. Really? Really? He doesn't? <laughs> Every single time he talks about Jesus Christ, he's talking about the kingdom. And so I, I think it's really hard in places like America, where we're so prosperous, to come to this place where we're on our knees genuinely believing no this is God's work and we get to participate in it um, and I think that's why the gospel spreads like wildfire you know in places like Iran and China and the underground church in Africa and all over the you know the muslim countries all over the world is because they are so desperate i mean their whole life is speaking to them this truth that no it's God who has to do this not us and so, I don't know, for me, it, it has helped me to get outside of the United States. Uh, it's one of the reasons I'm excited about our partnership with Go Ministries yeah. is because it does help us to look at our brothers and sisters overseas and say, well, maybe they've got something to teach us yeah. because it's really, I mean, people are making disciples who can make disciples who are making disciples over there. But in America, we're stuck in, in a lot of rows, And we really have come to believe, and we've had conversations even the last couple months with people here locally Mm. that are like, I just don't believe it's my job to make disciples. I I think that's your job. That's a professional's job. And, And that's scary to think that people actually believe that it's a professional's job. And when you look at the job qualifications or even the... Just the resume of the 12 disciples that Jesus chose. It was like he was saying, watch me. Watch me do it with these 12 guys. Because he, by the way, he had some people with Pharisaical ties, the Apostle Paul like we talked about earlier, who used to believe through religious activity the kingdom would come, and he was wrecked right. by an experience with Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. You take uh, Simon, who was a zealot, who all of a sudden in the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus is about to be arrested, he has a sword in his pocket. Why does he have a sword? because he's a zealot and he thinks this is going to happen through violent revolution. We got to take it. (laughs) So I, I just think that he was showing us, even by the, the, the company of men that he chose, those 12 revealed to us, no, this is a calling for every single one of us, not only to love God and love one another, but to carry out this great commission to train everybody. So I don't know what it's going to take. Honestly, you and I talk a lot about like, it's harder, it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. And if you're an American and you're listening to this, and I don't care if you live in a $50,000 trailer, like you're wealthier than the top 5%. Like yeah. you're, you're in the top 5% in yeah. the world. So I think we need to wake up to this reality of, um, and I don't know how that happens for me. Again, it was traveling overseas. It was having mentors in my life, coaches, people that modeled for me, embodied for me, Mm -hmm. that this is God's work, Um, reading books, uh, not about personal development or self-improvement, but really about like spiritual formation. How do I really cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work to turn me into uh, being more like Christ from the inside out for the sake of others, you know, and if it doesn't lead to that, then it's not spiritual formation. It's spiritual deformation. It's not Christ-like to not want to work for the good of others, especially your enemies. So Dude, I don't know. I, so
1: good. I don't know. I'm glad I asked you that question. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good answer. <laughs> no, know. man. You know, we talk about this a lot. And this is the reason why we're starting here uh with the whole gospel for the whole self, um, or transforming the whole self for the whole world, is because for me, um I you know, <laughs> there's been times and seasons of my life where I'm like dude, I got it together. Like I'm checking off all the boxes. And, and it's, you know, I think of um, the song where it's, you know, where David's like, search me, oh God, you know, search my heart. And whenever I feel like I got it together, <laughs> um, which is very seldom now, <laughs> it, I, I do. I, I just pray that prayer, like search me, oh God, because God can, will reveal the heart. And reveal the the mess that 's within my life and reveal to me the grace that he has given to me um, in spite of me, and that is in every single you mentioned money um but and we 're going to talk about money we're going to talk about health we 're going to talk about fitness we 're going to talk about marriage and parenting and because we're we cannot just look at the spiritual and say, we got it. Um, and to your point, it is for everyone. And I think that's the most humbling thing about the direction that we're going with rhythm is away from a, a one siloed church where we are the head of it and pastoring it to a multiplicative uh, community of believers that are raising up their gifts for the purposes of the kingdom And we're seeing men and women and children of all diversity being able to play the game, which is being a participant of the kingdom with Christ Mm -hmm. as the head and the Holy Spirit empowering them. Uh, The same Holy Spirit that's in us is the same Holy Spirit within them. And that's that's a beautiful thing, man. And that continues to remind me of the grace that's given and remind me of the position that we're in um, is equal. (laughs) <laughs> and Christ is the head.
0: Let me ask you uh, what stands out to you in this quote. So I came across this quote by John Calvin in his book, The Golden Booklet of the True Christian Life. And he says The gospel is not a doctrine of the tongue, but of life. It cannot be grasped by reason and memory only, but it is fully understood when it possesses the whole soul. <laughs> and penetrates to the inner recesses of the heart. So for you, reading this hundreds of years later, everything you just said, what do you resonate with
1: in there? I mean, that's that's exactly <laughs> the struggle of, I think, you know, post-enlightenment period is we are pursuing reason, we're pursuing knowledge. Um, you know, Descartes, I think, therefore I am, mm-hmm. uh, which he was a Christian. You know, it wasn't like he was, you know somebody that was narcissistic that was looking to just build, I mean maybe he was, but um, <laughs> I don't know Descartes at all. But yeah. but um I think we've taken that um sort of that banner as as into the 21st century and we've looked at you know the gospel is not not just what we say, but it's it ca- encapsulates our whole life. Mm-hmm. Um and I love this, it's not by reason or memory. There's a lot of and I myself included, there's a lot of things that I've done in my past that have looked I've looked at if I just know if I just memorize these verses, if I just know the right answers, mm-hmm. you know, if I just pass the test, then I'm you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a good standing with God and I'm able to um, you know, pat myself on the back essentially. Yeah. And Again, what, what I said earlier is so true with this verse or this, uh, this quote, and that is it penetrates the inner recesses of my heart. Mm. That is, and I can't know my own heart. Um, and I think that's a big thing for me is like um, because I live in this vessel, I think I'm an expert of myself, of Adam Everett, and I am not. I live with myself every day, but I'm still <laughs> not an expert of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, only God knows me inside and out. And so I have to submit. Um, how arrogant would it be for me to think that I, I know everything about myself? Um, and so that humble posture of being able to, to, to allow God to transform every area of my life and to know that it's not, I'm a work in progress.
0: Yeah. I remember my freshman into sophomore year, I was at Moody Bible Institute, downtown Chicago. And there was a religious spirit in the air at Moody at that time. And the president of the college, his name was Joseph Stoll. He had President's Chapel every Tuesday. And for a year and a half, every Tuesday, he came in and said, all right, y'all, we're gonna talk about grace again. (laughs) For a year and a half, he basically, you don't get it yet. You all don't get it. So we're going to do it again. Hmm. We're going to go through one once more this has to do with your whole life. Grace is a part of every area of your life. Let's talk about it again And for 30 minutes for a year and a half that dude walked through that this that's one of my favorite parts about that invitation of Jesus in Matthew 11, you know, 28 and 30 where Jesus says this is about the unforced rhythms of grace. And the gospel, at the core of what the gospel is, it is grace. Hmm. It is a gift. It is undeserved. It is lavish. It's, it's unpayable backable. That's not even a phrase, but you cannot like pay that. it back. You just can't. It's too ridiculous. It's too over-the-top generous. And I think um, when we think about this person of Jesus who lived in Israel 2,000 years ago, was from a little unknown town, Nazareth, who came about announcing, I mean, his main message was repent, like think differently, rethink your life for the kingdom of heaven
1: is here. It's at hand. Yeah. I mean, that reminds me of, um, Leslie Nubian saying the way we understand human life depends on what conception we have of the human story. What is the real story of which my life story is a part of?
0: Yeah. I don't think we can really understand the gospel without understanding the context in which it's set in. I mean, it would be like watching a Netflix show mm-hmm. and just watching the you know the last episode of season seven with somebody who's watched the entire seven seasons and been a dedicated watcher. Well, you may get some of it. You may understand part of what's going on, but for the most part, you're going to be lost. And so if you and I are going to get a better grasp on what the gospel is, if anybody is really going to get a better grasp on clarity in the gospel, it's going to come from understanding what is the story, what is the universal true story of the world. And that's very obviously controversial mm-hmm. in our culture to say, this is the true story of the world. And I think that that's kind of offensive to a lot of people. To, that You would assume that, that that's the true story, that that alone, that that's the only true story in the whole world. And my response to that would be humbly to say, any person who predicts his own death and resurrection and pulls it off, I'm going to listen to that person. And Jesus did. Yep. <laughs> so, so let's listen to the story in which he is, not only the, the climax of that story, his life and death and resurrection, but let's listen to the story in which like scripture as a whole, because it moves from... Communion, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, triune, before all time, stepping into the world in which we know and speaking it into existence. And that creation very quickly leads to a story of rebellion within us. And out of that rebellion, it's not us who pursues God. and says, God, would you fix this? It's him that comes down in Genesis 12 and says, no, I'm going to use a family, an extended family, Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, through that family, I'm going to promise them, I'm going to make a covenant with them that the whole earth will someday be restored through this family. And there's a promise that's made. And that promise is fulfilled in the person of Jesus, that in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, he fulfills that restoration. And everywhere he goes, he, he models for us what it looks like when God's in charge. And then he says, all right, I was with my father and with the spirit and we did a creation thing a long time ago. I'm doing a new thing. I'm going to do a new creation. And he establishes that. He inaugurates that kingdom in the resurrection. And for us to enter into that new creation, it, all we have to do is what he says, repent, rethink our lives and trust in him. Mm-hmm. Trust in Jesus, in his work. Not in our work, in his work. And through that, we are then entered into a process of formation that will someday lead to him coming back, setting the world straight, judging, bringing justice to the world and restoring all things, making all things new. And we say this all the time, not making all new things, right? He's not destroying everything and starting over. He's making all current things new, which means the kingdom of God is now here right now, but yet not fully here yet. Yeah. So that, to me, when I think about what is the true story of the world, I think about those those movements from communion all the way to restoration, and Jesus is the climax of that
1: absolutely, and that's what it means to live a life in rhythm to experience rhythm mm-hmm. to experience a a purpose, a plan that has been set out from the very beginning of time that God knew. In this moment, you'd be listening to these hooligans talk about the kingdom. Um, that God knew that and God knows you personally, and mm-hmm. Jesus is the center of it. You're not the center of it, Mm-mm. but He is He is pursuing you every step of the way and wants you to come along on the journey to do exactly what you just said, to make all things new, that we get we get to be a participant in that. Yeah. We need to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, and exactly what you said earlier, this has to do with our whole self. It starts, when we want to. if we want to see the restoration of the world happen here and now, then what can we, I mean, it begs the question, what can we do about it? Can we do anything about that? Can we respond to that in any way? And I think the level of faith and hope that we can develop in our whole self will lead to the amount of freedom in which we live in that,
1: mm-hmm. in
0: the kingdom of God. So look at how much do I really trust? How much do I really have faith in God? How much am I really staking everything I have in my hope is in Jesus? And I think the deeper that goes, the more deeply we're rooted in that faith, in that hope, in that love of God is the amount of freedom that we'll experience in this life. And not just freedom spiritually to not sin, but freedom in our heart, like in the core of who we are. As Dallas Willard has these concentric circles Mm -hmm. that talk about the human soul. And he talks about the core of who we are is our heart. It's our desire. You know, it's not what we think it is. The core of who we are is what we love. It's what James K Smith says in his book. You know, we're not primarily brains on a stick. We're primarily desiring
1: beings. We are what we love. We
0: are what we are, what we love. And those loves will shape the way that we think it will shape our thoughts and our feelings. And those thoughts and feelings will eke themselves out into our body. And I know this is very un-American to think about, but his view of the soul includes the social aspect. Right. That we're not just, our soul isn't just who we are, it's what we are together and in our community. And that soul then affects everything around us. The infinite, Mm -hmm. he calls it the infinite environment. You can Google that, like concentric circles, what the components of the human soul, Dallas Willard. And it goes from heart to mind, to body, to social, to soul. Mm-hmm. And God desires to restore that now. I mean, And obviously we won't be perfect. We're not going to be flawless in this. Every day is a new opportunity. Every moment is a new opportunity to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, to relax in his goodness, his world that is saturated with his grace.
1: Absolutely. Dude. And so that's what we're going to be doing this yeah. whole season is focusing on that and looking at those circles of our, of our whole being. And, and we're just submitting that to the gospel, the whole gospel. Um, and we're, we're looking at it's for the good of others. So it's for the world around us. And so I'm excited for this season um, what's what's a an encouragement for you uh, or for the listener for this season?
0: Yeah, I think if over the next couple months you just want to saturate yourself in this poem as we walk through it, Titus chapter three, verses four to five, mm-hmm. like those two verse If you just want to return to that often with us and think, what is the gospel? Read that in different translations. Maybe even sketch out if one of your friends was to ask us. I did this this last year. I sketched out if, if one of my closest friends asked me, tell me about this. What is it? How would I respond specifically to that person? And I just wrote out a half page of this is, this is what I would want to say. And so I, th- I think that if everybody listening to this did that, they soaked in this and wrote that out mm-hmm. and prayed for opportunities to really share it, that would be powerful. Absolutely. So
1: and I think as we go through the season, um, my encouragement would be that we look at we take a hard look and maybe even include so that social aspect includes some other people in our life, um, just to be able to ask the simple question of where would you say that Jesus is not predominantly center in my life?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so that could be a spouse, that could be a close friend, that could be a combination of a few people. Um, but just to humbly be able to ask that question, even within yourself, to be able to sit before the Lord and say, hey, God, what area of my life am I not submitting over to you? And my hope or our hope would be that uh, through the next, this next season, as we go through every aspect, not every aspect, but a lot of different aspects of life, that there would be something, one podcast or one episode that would speak directly at that piece, yeah. and that there would be uh, an incredible opportunity for you to, to practice a rhythm, yeah. to walk and work with Jesus, to experience, truly experience life and rhythm.
0: Yeah. It's great being with you today, bud. Good to be with you. Much love. We'll see care, you guys everybody. next week.
1: Peace. Peace.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.